Where are those things you want us to see? He's showing those things you want us to see. And when we see the truth, the light, because of love for you and love for your word, we, we rejoice in the light. Rejoice in the truth, Father. Thank you for equipping us for the work that we have to do in this earth and, and for the things you've given us to enjoy while we do live here. But we do know, Father, it is war. And uh, through you, you, Jesus and faith in him, we're more than conquerors. So as we look under your word, we thank you for what we're about to see and rejoice in it. And we'll share it according to your wisdom as the Holy Spirit dictates. Amen. I want to go back and talk some more about <clears throat> confessions and uh, get some more clarification on it and also share some light I just received last night in that regard. And the amazing thing about it, once I saw it, it's like... Uh, Either Dr. Hager or Ken Copeland, one of the two said that when we misunderstand some things that God has said, often it's because we have help from the devil in, in essence. And in some cases, it's, uh, it's just well-meaning Christians who just didn't study. And, and then if we don't study, then we all get uh, caught up in the same error until God can give us more light and then have us look back and then show us some things that are really obvious once we look back. But that's the benefit of learning truths line upon line, precept upon precept. Go to the book of, um, let's go to Romans. We'll start there. Romans 10, very familiar set of scriptures. This would be the basis for this clarification. Amongst us as Christians, there is, there is confusion about the difference between a confession, according to what scriptural confessions are said to be as ordained of God, versus what we think they are. And uh, because of it, of the confusion, there's a hesitancy to even speak things that are obvious for fear or for concern, amount of fear, that I don't want to make what's known as a bad confession. I know you've heard that, right? Amen. So anyhow, this, this will help us. This will help us. God wants to make us more skillful. Romans 10, and um, we'll start with uh, verse 6. He says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of God, the word of faith, 
the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich under all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'll stop right there and back up. Uh, We'll look at this section first, get that understood as what it is saying and what it's not saying. And then we'll look at an account where Jesus spoke some truths that the average Christian today in regard to what's called faith teachings would think he made a bad confession. But we know Jesus didn't make bad confessions, you know. And, 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 and one writer talked about a good confession that he witnessed that Jesus uh, made. But anyhow... Let's look at um, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Uh, now we know from scripture, this is just a quick review, we know that we're not saved because we confess Jesus with our mouth. Uh, because the mouth has nothing to do with it. Salvation. When you look back at Acts 10, uh, where Jesus, uh, uh, by his spirit, gave Peter a uh, vision of animals. Uh, and then the voice came to rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, not so, Lord, my, I haven't eaten anything unclean uh, all of my days. I be put that. And the word, the voice came back, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou uncommon or, 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 or unclean. And this happened three times. And, uh, and then that's when the spirit let him know that there were some men down uh, in the house that came to, to, to uh, get him and to go with them and doubt nothing. And as you know, they all went to Cornelius' house in Acts 10. And then Peter realized that uh, God wanted him to preach about Jesus there. So from verse 34 down to about verse 44, he preaches. And while he's speaking, let's ease over there and look at that. Just remind ourselves briefly about that. Because once again, we know what is true. We know where to place our faith. We know what to look at in regard to what God has done. We know we should look at what God has done that's written or spoken. We know to keep our eyes on what God has said that's written or spoken. And we know to keep our eyes on what God has revealed in regard to strong faith versus weak faith. And so uh, 
here he, uh, he, he's about to preach to them. And he, he didn't go because of the scriptures he read. He went because of the voice of God he heard and the direction from the Holy Spirit who gave him no scripture. He just said, go with them. And don't you doubt nothing. Um, let's get down to that verse and then we'll go a little further. Verse 17. Now, while Acts 10. Acts 10, verse 17. While Peter yet, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision, vision, he saw something in the vision. Then here in the scripture, he just saw a vision. God gave him a vision. Which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, the Holy Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men are seek thee. That's the word of knowledge. Rise, therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What's the cause wherefore you have come? And they tell him about what Cornelius went through in regard to the angel appearing and so forth. And so... When Peter went, he went because of the vision he had and because of the God's voice that spoke to him to tell him to go with them. God is setting up this situation where they, as well as we, even today, can learn how people are saved. And he, he, he gets them saved and then later, he reminds them of the scriptures that cover the salvation they received. But first, he does what he's doing here, about to do, in order to give them some evidence, to give them what they need to understand how to get saved. It's in the word, but sometimes scripture is not readily understood and and you've heard the saying that a picture with a thousand words and maybe more than that in this case. But uh, anyhow, he goes with him, Cornelius' house. We pick it up uh, in verse, uh, verse 33, uh, verse 32. Well, yeah, we just do verse 33. I'm not backing up. This is Cornelius speaking. He says, immediately, therefore, after he had the vision and he said, send for Peter. He says, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done, if thou hast come. Thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things, hear all things, hear all things that are commanded thee of God or from God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of the truth, I perceive that God is no respect of persons, but in every nation. He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Then it begins to preach. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. He's, he's preaching now. He's preaching the gospel. Take notice here, Nitri, what he's doing. Never alone, just a few verses. Not in quantity, but it's in quality. It's what you say. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, 
who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we're witnesses of all these things, of all things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree, crucified him. Him, God, raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he, Jesus, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick, the living, and dead. To him give all the prophets witness, it's written, that through his name, his authority, whosoever believeth in him, believeth in him, shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. He had brought a few brethren with him, Peter had, I think six. Because then on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is 10 years after Jesus had been raised from the dead. This took place. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the authority of the Lord. Then prayed to him to tarry certain days. And so here, Peter is telling them about Jesus briefly in his message from verse 34 down to verse 44. And while he's speaking, because of they, they understand what he's saying, they have the faith to believe, they believe, they're born again, then feel the next few, next split second later, and they, and they, and they speak in tongues and interrupt the man's preaching. He had to quit preaching, let them talk in tongues. Then he quit preaching and started talking about they saved. I can quit preaching now. So he said, can we, in man forbid water? Because they saved like us now. Now, 10 years later in Acts 15, when Peter got jumped, well, not Peter didn't get jumped. He got jumped in Acts 11. And he tells what happened. And, and he says, uh, just for the sake of quick review, because uh, uh, he got jumped, he went to the Gentiles. They had heard about that, but they didn't rejoice in the fact that Gentiles got born again. They just got upset because Peter went to, to, to uh, Judea and, uh, and, and, and was, mess, was around the Gentiles. Uh, this is in verse 3, well, verse 2. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, that it had bleed, but were previously uh, of the circumcision, contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. He did, they didn't rejoice. Well, you went down there and preached and God got them born again, speaking in tongue. So they went from looking at, not looking at what they should have looked at, and looked at what they should not have looked at. Let me say this too. Some well-meaning Christians, Holy Ghost-filled tongue talkers who have not studied properly will accuse you of being wrong when you ain't done nothing wrong. Let me say that again. They mean well. And they really believe you're wrong. But since they didn't study, they don't know they're wrong. 
But you got to know how to answer them, as Peter did here, in order to have them see the truth. You did nothing wrong. And so Peter goes on to defend himself. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying. In a trance, I saw in a vision, certain vessel descend, as it had been great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Even which I had fastened fastened my eyes, I considered, saw four-footed beasts, and so forth. Verse 7, I heard a voice saying unto me, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. See, he's telling them what God showed him. Ain't none of this written in Scripture yet, because we they wrote this later. This is what's happening. We just read, we just reading what happened, but he's telling them what happened. He's telling them what God did that was written later. I see it like that. And so but he's telling them what God did. See, that's the idea. God did this. So he told them what God showed him and what God said and what God did. And so verse 11, I mean, chapter 11, further down here now. Let me get down there once again. I got my technology confused up. That's called operator error, as we know. Can't touch this pad while I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, He goes on down, tell him how the brothers came and some people there witnessing, and I'm getting on down to the end of it. Then verse 18, verse 16, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I? that I could withstand God. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God. So he was successful in defending himself. But he did it with what God said and what God did as opposed to what God had written, had said that was written. He defended himself with what God said in the vision and what God did after he obeyed God and the vision. Bottom line was, the Gentiles got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost because God did it. So they, they left him alone. And they, then they glorified God. And then hath God, and they said this, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Well, that was in the scriptures. They just either hadn't read it or forgot it. But they knew what God had done by what God did. And sometimes that's the best way for God to work. Matter of fact, that is the best way in this case is God would have done it. Because going back to wisdom again, it's the best way to do stuff in regard to wisdom, God's wisdom. Because God will give you the best way to do something and let you know the other way ain't the best. This is the best way. Well, to get the body of Christ to understand that he had provided salvation for Gentiles also, God did it this way. This is the best way to do it. And in Acts 15, 10 years later, when confusion came up about whether or not you had to be circumcised to be saved. Uh, uh, some people came down teaching that. There again, they hadn't studied. Except you be circumcised after the mind of Moses, you can't be saved. Go to Acts 15 real quick like. We'll double back to here. But I'm trying to, for the sake of those that weren't on Wednesday, here with us on Wednesday nights, let you see what we looked at on two Wednesday nights ago. But this was 10 years after Acts 10. And, uh, and Paul, verse 2 says, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation, disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question, whether or not you got to be circumcised to be saved. This is 20 years after Christ arose. 
and it's not settled yet how to get saved. So, so they go round and round when they come together. Uh, let's get to the part where they come together. Verse 6. We'll look at verse 5. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, which what? So they were Christians, but they still pushing some stuff the Pharisees used to teach and should have stopped teaching. That it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. They went a step further. And the apostles and elders came together. The preachers came together. The apostles and elders came together. The apostles and pastors came together. For to consider of this matter. I like that. That's what we begin. Trying to keep coming together to look at the stuff we've got to look at. To draw from one another and get the mind of Christ about whatever it is that needs to be done. Anyhow, and when there, been, when there had been much disputing, much mutual questioning and, and reasoning and, and, and discussion, uh, Peter rose up. But Peter let him, let him reason out at first. And then finally Peter realized, we ain't getting nowhere. So Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God was knoweth their hearts, bearing the witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and putting no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. He didn't say by confessing and so forth, but he said purifying their heart by faith, period. Because the people that Peter preached to, they didn't confess nothing. They just started speaking in tongues while the man was preaching. Remember that? But they got saved while he was preaching. So now since we know that that's how God does it, we can go back and unlearn some of the stuff that seems to say what it ain't saying. That's what I did last night. But let's, 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 let's look at this a little further, then we'll go back and unlearn. Therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Still talking about what God has done. See, got that ball rolling. Verse 13. And after they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree, what? The words of the prophets, as it is written. They finally get to the word. But notice, all the light they got came from what God had done. It's based on what's written, but they didn't know what was written yet. They just looked at what God had done, rejoicing what God had done. Because as Nicodemus said, no man can do the miracles you do except God be with him. Hello, somebody. So they knew God was doing all of this. So they rejoiced in what God did, rejoicing what God did, rejoicing what God did. God doing this and God doing that. And then finally James, one of the elders said, hey, y'all, what happened is what's written. And then he, he began to quote the scripture. After this, I will return 
Build again the tabernacle of David, which is falling down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, said the Lord, who doeth all these things. Knoweth unto God, known unto God, are all his works from the beginning of the world. So, so we, 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 we look at what God has done. And then we can look at scripture. It helps us understand those scriptures better. Because sometimes you look at it sideways and this way and, and then look at it this way and come this way and then, and then that way and you still can't see it. Hello, somebody. But then when you, when you look at what he's done, everybody can't wait. That's Ken Wayne's strange suit. You talking about what God has done? That's the big joke of the Ken Wayne. See? That's, that's a good card. You see? So yeah, you look at what God has done. Then you backtrack to the scriptures. And what God has done, the Holy Ghost can take what he's done and then unravel what it is with not seeing because we can't see it without looking at what God has done. And sometimes you got to look, look at what God has done first. So God did it that way. To help them 10 years after Jesus rose to help them 20 years after Jesus rose and help us now today. All because of what he's done. Okay, now we go back to Romans 10. So we know Romans 10 is not saying what it seems to say in those verses. Because we know they're saved how? By what? Say it again. One more time. By faith. By faith. Because if I'm deaf and mute, I can't talk. I can't confess. I'm mute. So when it, in regard to getting saved, the mouth has nothing to do with it. If deaf folk, mute folk can't get saved. I say again. So it's by faith. And if they can't, if they can't, uh, can't hear, you have to use sign language. And I started using sign language to somebody to make some points in the past, and I got... I kept talking and forgot to interpret the sign language that I was actually using. And it might have been here that morning. But uh, for those that know sign language, if I went, sorry about that. What does that mean, Dale? You say, you say, I have. <laughs> See, if we don't use it, we lose it. I just remember this one. This is the only one I probably remember. <laughs> no. No. That's no. That's what Mr. Hicks taught me now. That's no. <laughs> and there you go. Can't face. That lady's sharp. You all right with me, can't face. See, somebody asked you something today at work? Man, I ain't got no idea. <laughs> But so I can say the sign language. <laughs> but that's what that means. And uh, but see, somebody that knows sign language, when you're signing, they're hearing the words in their mind because they understand what those signs mean. I don't know who devised it. That's a good thing to look at for the history goes. But uh, some of them, like idea, that's almost you know, that's almost you know. Uh, one of the best things, like this, that's, o that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, that's okay. I had to correct myself there. I forgot 
but come back to me, right, Nicotine. But my point is, is that if the person can't hear or can't speak, they can understand because faith comes by understanding and understanding comes by the word from God or about God. OK, so now we get back to get back to Romans 10. All right. So we start with that ninth verse again, and it says uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Uh, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I was looking at that word confession, and I... Uh, uh, when I looked it up, uh, I said, okay, now, I, I, got, I got that meaning, uh, uh, which means uh, uh, to acknowledge or, uh, let's see here now, let me get this up. With the mouth confession, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth, for the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him should not be saved. Let me go on to find is made unto salvation. That'll, that'll, that'll help clarify. I'm going to look at this definition back over here again in more detail. But the main part is made unto salvation. Another part for years that threw me. And then the Holy Spirit had me, as we did last year, to slow down and look up a word I never looked up before. And that word was unto. And when I looked it up and started meditating it, I, uh, I came across a, and, and as I meditated, I kept in mind the person is saved by faith. So it can't be saying that with the mouth they get saved. And then it went on to say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I, look, I started looking at the words there, which of a word to choose, realizing that the person is already saved. And I looked at verse 11, which also gives light about the fact that the person, uh, uh, verse, yeah, verse 11, shall not be ashamed. And so when I look at that word unto that went through the choices there, I came across the word C-O-N, back up there, Walter, C-O-N-C-E-R, N-I-N-G. You see that word? Concerning. And then the light went off. I said, thank you, Jesus. Because what he really said was, what he really said was, in verse 10, for with the mouth, confession is made concerning salvation. Concerning salvation. And since I made this confession concerning salvation, the reason I did that is because I'm not ashamed. I made a confession some, some weeks ago by my wife. I say, Amanda is my wife. My, and I love my wife. So I made a confession concerning my wife. The confession was I love my wife. Well, when we get saved, because we're not ashamed, the confession that we're making, we're already saved because we got saved by faith. But the confession we're making is because we're not shamed. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. That's one of them old ones there, Dave. Long as I live, trouble rise. I hasten to his throne. You see. 
But the, I'm making confession because I'm saved. And I ain't ashamed. If you shame of him, it's because the person is not saved. But the person, when we, when we, when we acknowledge that, when we acknowledge, when we acknowledge uh, that uh, Jesus is uh, the one, when we hear, this, we hear, we hear the, the sermon, when we acknowledge that he's the one that God gave to be the, the substitute, we acknowledge that, acknowledge that, then, then we, we trust him because that's the one that's, that's provide, through whom God provided salvation. And, and because I'm not, I'm, I'm not shamed, then I'll, I'll say what I'm saying because I'm saved and I'm not ashamed. But it's in regard to my, it's concerning my salvation, which I have, that I got from Jesus. Telling folk, hey, y'all, I'm saved now. I looked at my hands and they look new, some folks say. My feet, they did too. You know, that's kind of old-timey, but I mean, that's what some folks said, you know. But they're just talking about the salvation they now have of which they're not ashamed. You see, and then I, I start checking the commentaries and 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 uh, and and Adam Clark, he goes back to the Hebrew better than most commentary commentators that I've found. And his commentary, as I read it, it just it just lit up even more. You know, you know, when you find folks that got some sense and you study behind them, that's good eating. Amen. That's good eating. Uh, let's see what he says about verse nine. That if thou shalt confess, etc., acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ. That word confess means to acknowledge. Acknowledgement as the Lord Jesus Christ, as the only Savior. Then when I acknowledge that, believe in the heart that he who died for thy offenses has been raised for thy justification. And depend solely on him for thy justification. Thou shalt be saved. That's what verse nine is saying. You acknowledge him. That word confess means to acknowledge. And then once I acknowledge it, because I've, I've realized that's what they did in Acts 10. They heard about Jesus with whom God was with, of whom God was with, who went about doing good and healing all. And it was through faith in him that we, that, uh, we receive remission of sins. They heard about him. They understood why he came. They understood what he did. They understood he died, that we might be justified. They understood that God raised him the third day. And then they said, I'm putting my trust in him. And when they, when they believed on him and put their trust in him and whom they acknowledged as the one that he was talking about that God indeed did sin, when they put their trust in him, they were born again and a split second later speaking in tongues. All by faith. You see? And that's all Romans 10 9 is talking about. And then he went on to explain verse 10. Adam, Adam got it going on. Because the Holy Ghost taught him. He went on to say, uh, and, uh, and with, for with the heart man believe it, and be sincere in this, for with the heart duly affected with a sense of guilt and of the sufficiency of the sacrifice which Christ has offered, man believeth unto righteousness, believeth to receive justification. For this is the proper meaning of the term here, and in many other parts of the epistle, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He who believes aright in Christ Jesus will receive such a full conviction of the truth in such an evidence of his redemption that his mouth will boldly confess, unashamedly confess. I'm not sure where I stop at. <laughs> his obligation to his redeemer and the blessed persuasion he has 
of the remission of all, thank you, his sins through the blood of the cross. One grand object of the apostle is to show the simplicity of the gospel scheme of salvation. At the same time, it's great efficacy, efficiency. It is simple and very unlike the law, which was full of rites and ordinances and ceremonies. And, and then he goes on. But the point about it is that, as he said, I ain't shame of the, of, of the person whom I put my trust. And then God also has this meaning too. God will let me never be shamed. When you put your trust in God, God in the things that God has provided in the covenant, God always answers. He answers every time, every time, every time. Why? Because he's faithful. So I'm not going to put my trust in God and what he provided in the covenant. Stand on that truth, believing and expecting that thing to come to pass and be shamed and it not happen. It's going to happen. And then when it happens, I can say, I told you it's going to happen. I told you it's going to happen. I told you. Like Kenny Wayne said, I saw that money open up. And I thought it was the first money we got from Mama, but that was the second money. Because Mama got bigger than the first money, but the second money, that was mostly ours. We gave her a little taste, too, because that's Mama. Got to take care of Mama. You know. but, 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 but you can't push your trust in God and be, and be shamed. God said, I'm going to give you a new house. Don't look like it. But if you believe what God said do and learn the thing God said learn, told you God was going to do it. Didn't the highest going to do it, but we got it. We got it. Why? Because God said it, and I did my part. And God sent this person to me and that person to me. And we got it. Why? Because God said it. You see. And so that's what, that's what that means. Uh, let's see. My time's shot. Let's look at one more thing, John 11, and we'll go. John 11, one verse. John 11, verse 11. Now, this is the side of confession. Wait a minute, going to find that word confession, though. You find a number of scriptures that say profession or confession. <coughs> They're synonyms. But when it's talking about, what we're talking about in the sense of profession or confession is an open declaration, a public acknowledgement of one's belief. That's because I believed. You see, it's a public acknowledgement. Now, now some folk would think, well, if, if you ask me how I feel, I say, well, man, a daddy would say, I ain't feeling too spotty today, quote unquote. You made a bad confession. No, not really. I just answered your question. You see, look at John 11, verse 11. Look what Jesus said. This will help us. See, what some folk have not done is define the word confession. And as David pointed out this morning, that's pride. And they're going to try to correct you apart from the word of God. Let me say this too. Never correct anybody without scripture. Because that's why God gave scripture. It's good for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Amen? If I'm wrong, I could be. I'm human. I can error. But convince me with scripture and plain reasoning. You see? So bring scripture. I've had people accuse me of, of being wrong and loved ones. Uh, uh, my dear old sweet mom. Uh, attacked me last year with, uh, with, uh, with some of that from the enemy. And I said, Mama, I said, give me some scripture, please. She couldn't do it. She meant well. The devil had her convinced I was wrong. And I finally let her see, if you can't think of any scripture that confirms that what you're thinking, then that didn't come from God. And she saw it. But she had to understand that the enemy would use us sometimes to attack others because she was convinced I was wrong. But no scripture confirmed it. 
And when we analyze my actions by the scriptures like, like Peter did, I was right. I hadn't done anything wrong. But I had to stay respectful and reason with her and give her scripture and correct her. Join 11, verse 11, and we're going to shut it down. And you'll see my point. Like I said, you've got to, we've got to be skillful in helping those who mean well, but think when they come against us, they don't really understand that uh, they really missed it. And, and they were in pride because they believed something without evidence. Verse 11, chapter 11, uh, says this. These things said he after he had eaten, eaten with them. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. See that word? Sleepeth. But I go that I might wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sake that I might, that I was not there, boy, that's how I messed up, don't it? To the intent that you may believe, that's what I'm after. Nevertheless, let's go into him. Now, the average Christian would have said Jesus made a bad confession, but they, their mouth wouldn't say that because Jesus never made a bad confession. But if I said that, oh, you made a bad confession. How are you going to raise him from the dead if you called him dead? The same way Jesus did. You see, there's a difference between telling you what I believe, what I believe, and answering your question that you ask me. How do you feel? I don't feel too good. But then I can go on and say, yeah, but because of what I've learned, it's going to get better. But to answer your question, I don't feel too good. So we went from how I feel now to what I believe. What I believe, as David just pointed, the end result. So don't confuse just saying something as claiming it. No, that's not how it works. If you really believe, believe the truth, like God says, you'll have the answers. If you believe also certain things about Satan, he'll have you in fear. And if God can get your attention, he'll bring it to pass, just like he did with Job. Because everything, Job, everything happened in Job's life, Job said, the things I greatly feared happened to me. So fear has that point. But see the difference, though. Just to say it, to ask somebody's question, that's not confessing it. I don't even believe it. I'm just telling you how I feel. But this is what I believe. My Redeemer lives, Job said. In all the days of my appointed life, time, I'll wait till my change comes. There's a change coming. Stand on your feet and let's get out of here. There's a change coming. Because I know my Redeemer lives. And when you, when you know what you know what you know, you may, you may say how you feel and, and how you regret this and regret that, but when you start looking at what you believe and, and stay on what you believe, then your feelings change. Hello, somebody. So you can see the difference as how to answer somebody who means well, but then they don't understand they're being used by the enemy to try and to, 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 to ruin your day. Father, we thank you for truth. Truth defeats error every time. We just got to learn the truth and use the truth and use the truth in love to the glory of your name, to help each other.